welcome to episode 110 of the British Bird Gang Breakdown, the penultimate regular season episode of the year. Will it continue past that? We'll find out next weekend. But before then, we've got a whole game to recap and break down. So I guess we should get on with that. As ever, I'm Tom, and I'm joined by British Dynasty Gang Season 2 winner Callum to do just that. I'm freshly recovered from my shoey, and I'm ready to talk about a uh, much less exciting game than the uh, than my fantasy game this weekend. Yeah, I know we'll touch on fantasy a bit later because we've got that horrible game to talk about first, but... We've got nothing else really to delay us from talking to that because there's no news. Yeah, no news or anything. So we've got to get straight into the Cardinals' 12-20 loss against the San Francisco 49ers, which is uh, honestly one of the one of the more boring games that I've watched in a couple of years. Like even even when we were terrible, you know, two three years ago, and we were losing most of the time, I would say that it was at least more exciting of a game to watch than that. Yeah, I wouldn't say it really had any. It was like exciting or stand out because, like, looking at the positives we've got down for this week, there's literally two things, and that's about it. And one of them is really a technicality, like shouldn't really be here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's there. There's kind of very, very little to bring out with this one. I will say that there's a few moments in the game where had they gone you know very slightly differently we would have had a few more positives i think you know i think there was a few opportunities that we could have had to actually win this game um but actually because they didn't come off they they fall more into that negative column than they do the positives get ready to listen to a lot of negatives for this week's episode sadly we'll start with the positives at least and um first off we've got mike nugent and yet we're back into that sort of stage of uh, of Cardinals fandom where we are giving out big positives to special teams players. Yeah, and since coming into the fold, he hasn't missed a kick. And he only had two field goals on Saturday. It was enough for him to claim a first British Birdgown Breakdown Player of the Game award, which again highlights the sheer shitness of the game, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you're back to... Um, you know, voting for punters and kickers as kind of your highlight of the game. Um, something's not quite right. And I mean, to be fair, if you know, if we're talking about this in the positives column, it is really nice to be able to rely on a kicker. I mean, it would have been nice to see him get a few more kicks in the game, you know, especially extra points, but he didn't even get to attempt one of them. Yeah, exactly. It was really a case of us kind of marching down the field and then getting uh, penaltied out of field goal range a few times. And also when we were when we actually scored a touchdown, we had to go for two points. Otherwise, we'd have been like nine points behind, I think it would have been. Or like less than a score sort of thing. Exactly, exactly. It was the right decision to make to go for the two points at the time. It's just a shame that uh, that we had to be in that position to start with, you know? I mean, it does also take the season award into the final week as well because, you know, maybe DeAndre Hopkins will be able to tie it up next week. He would be able to take over from Kyle Murray. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see how that all turns out. But yeah, the best that uh, Hopkins could hope for there would be a draw. Um, and then, of course, sort of Kyle Murray like poised to win that. But uh, who knows when our um, our end of season awards will be? Because you know we we'll get onto it later. But you know we might be uh, we might be here a little bit longer. Exactly. We don't even know when our season will end. So how will we know when to start awarding for the season? Yeah, exactly. And speaking of uh, not knowing when our season will end, our uh, other lone bright spot on the uh, on the game so far that gives us a tiny glimmer of hope heading into next week was uh, Hassan Reddick. Yes, his late season tear continues with yet another sack fumble on CJ Befford. 
He now has 12 and a half sacks on the season, which is good for third in the league, trailing Aaron Donald on 13 and a half and TJ Watt with 15. Which is pretty crazy if you think about it, especially, I mean, you know, I, I there's a lot of things where it's like, oh, we, we're probably sleeping on him a little bit earlier in the season. But when you think that this kind of big run, as it were, has only really started since what the Jets game, you know, that's that goes to show just how dominant this kind of latter third of the season has been for him. And of course, with each and every sack that he makes, it pushes his price range up when it comes to free agency this offseason. <laughs> yeah, big time. And I'm sure he knows that as well. Um, it'll be an interesting topic to see whether or not the Cardinals keep him on, actually. I think we'll have to franchise tag him, though, if needs be. You know, keep him here for another year longer, at least. Yeah, I think part of it will depend on... Um, how well he's convinced the uh, the coaching staff that he is sort of less injury prone than he has been in the past. Or the fact that he's actually been used where he's most useful, you know. That's obviously going to keep him here longer if he wants to, at least. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think that'll be, that'll be a really interesting one. I guess it'll all depend on how much money gets freed up with... Um, with various other things in the off season as well. But I mean, personally, especially given the last few games, I would love to see him stick around for another year and really show us what he's, you know, what he's got. And I'd love to see him and Chandler Jones on the edge. That'd be something good to watch. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, imagine, you know, the two of them being able to actually have a bit of a sack competition, you know, and, and kind of chasing each other for it throughout the year. It'd be better than the sack competition. We were going to be best. Well, we had in our pre-season predictions this year. I think that one might be a bit of a bust. Well, yeah, we actually called it quits, didn't we, after Chandler Jones' season-ending injury. And also now Jordan Phillips is injured, so neither of them got... I think they both, like, between them, it was, like, three sacks, so... Yeah, it wasn't much. It wasn't much at all. I mean, going back to last year as well, it wasn't much of a competition because it was Chandler Jones versus Terrell Suggs, and obviously Suggs just pissed off after making a bit of money. Yeah, he did. He was uh, not not exactly um, productive, was he? Maybe we'll get it right in the third year of doing it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be good to see. And, and you know, especially this game. And, you know, obviously a sack fumble um, was the only kind of big stat recorded, shall we say, for Hassan Reddick. But he was everywhere um, during the game. He was making some key tackles. And, um, you know, for when... Uh, Jeff Wilson was able to be stopped. Hassan Reddick was definitely instrumental in plugging those gaps a few times. It's a shame we didn't see more of him this week, like we have been in the past few weeks. You know, a few more sacks would have gone amiss. Yeah, it would have definitely helped, uh, well, potentially keep the game in contention a bit longer anyway. I mean, to be fair, the game was always in contention, wasn't it? Because obviously we were never less than one score behind them. That is a fair point, actually. I mean, I guess it just felt that way. It felt, you know, particularly bad because I just had no faith in the offense being able to get there. You know, I, I was almost by the sort of second half of that game waiting for um, a pick six. It felt like the only opportunity where we we're going to have to see a touchdown. Yeah, but then obviously Befford never actually threw the ball that much. So obviously we couldn't capitalize with a pick six or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it sounds like we're already getting there, so should we move on to the negatives column? I mean, we may as well, because this episode's like barely eight minutes long at the moment, and we've already done with the positives. I mean, there's really not much more to talk about in the positives column at all, is there? It's like, you know, you can't even sort of point to any of the um, the big players and say that they had a, a particularly good game, especially on offense. Well, I mean, like, if you look at the 
poll votes this week. Kyler Murray, I think, got 3%, which is like his lowest ever. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the lowest ever. Although I think maybe when Red got 90-odd percent, I think he might have got a lot less up. But, you know, that was like a one-off sort of thing. Yeah, it was a, it was for a different reason, basically. But, um, yeah, I mean, I will say somebody who would have got even less of a vote, um, and that is uh, Mr. False Start himself. Mason Cole, number 52. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the center false start is just bad enough as it is anyway. But, you know, like, this false starting in an empty stadium, like, what's the deal with that? I mean, the strange part is, is that this is week 16, you know? It's like, it's so late on in the season, and yet that's such an odd mistake to make. And it makes me wonder, you know, what the hell was happening there? I mean, there was one where the commentators were saying he didn't actually move the ball, but still, he was called for it. So you can't really take the flag back, can you? Yeah, exactly. I, I will. I will say that um, a few times it felt like at least a really harsh call, and I think there was at least one where the defense was technically offside, but they called it for the offense. And you know, it's the kind of thing that they can't they can't retract. You know, they can't look at film or anything like that for it. Um, so there was definitely an element of bad luck to it there. But that being said, you know, these are the kind of penalties that that threw away that game, you know, minus penalties and minus, you know, less silly penalties like that. I think we would have had much more of a chance of scoring. Um, you know, we would definitely have got at least another field goal out of it. And I think that, you know, we would have been in a much better position at the end of the game. I mean, you do say that, but in this game, you only had the four penalties overall. So it wasn't like we were getting too many flags. I mean, it I definitely felt like more because I don't know about you, but I definitely felt like the penalties were coming at absolutely key moments in the drive. You know, they were coming, you know, a third down or a brand new set of downs after a big pass. And it was just like constantly a momentum killer. Yeah, I mean, I, I do get what you're meaning by that because it just felt like that, you know, just watching the game. It, like, as we've mentioned before, it's not really an enjoyable one to watch. No, is it an enjoyable one to break down like we're doing now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was a bit of a, a bit of a Sisyphus kind of a game, you know, just like constantly rolling that rock up the hill only for it to come back down at you. But, I mean, I will say as well, and we'll get on to sort of injuries and things later, but, you know, you can't blame the offense for feeling a little bit banged up as well after uh, Robert Salah's uh, defense had a go at them. Yeah, I mean... Obviously, the commentators couldn't really have been up his arse any more than they were in this game. Oh yeah, they were they were all over him. They were singing his praises to the high heavens. Even after the dirty hits and everything and all that sort of thing. But you know, each to their own. Yeah, I think there was a few kind of dirty hits and late hits and stuff like that which were brushed off as like, oh well, you know, that's how they're coached and stuff rather than it being, you know, the thing of like, well, you know, if they are being coached like that, let's maybe, uh, you know, not call it a good thing yeah you know like obviously like trying to get rid of concussions and that sort of thing in the nfl so you know just flying around violently hitting opponents in the head and very very late hits as well and also out the bounds i'm sure they had a couple of them yep yep for sure but obviously they weren't called for some reason or another yeah which was odd actually because a lot of the rest of the officiating in the game was quite um quite intense quite you know uh to the book and there was some stuff that they just seemed to let go like that. It was a strange game, though, like because our offense just really couldn't do anything against their defense, even though they were short-handed and losing. They had a 
They were down a handful of significant players, such as Javon Kinlaw, Jimmy Ward, and Richard Sherman, to name but three of them. But they just seem to have an answer for everything that Cliff Kingsbury and Kyle Murray threw at them. Yeah, uh, I, I was going to say, you know, something very similar, actually, because it really did feel like, you know, everything that they were trying was immediately countered. And obviously we were missing some key bodies there as well, um, particularly as the game got going. But, you know, it was it was almost like, OK, like, well, let's try you know, getting the run game going a little bit. And they were even able to stifle, stifle Kyler Murray there a little bit and put a lot of pressure on him, a lot more pressure than we're used to seeing, actually. Um, and not only that, but they had extremely good coverage on, you know, one of the most difficult players in the game to to cover. I will tell you what was painful to watch as well, when Kenyon Drake was trying to pick up, like, first and goal when it was, like, probably, like, a yard or two yards outside the goal line. Like, yeah, yeah. Like three or four attempts, I think it was, wasn't it, before I actually got into the end zone? Yeah, it really was. It was, um, that was a big, long <laughs> series to, to gain about a yard and a half. It's just one of them things. We lack it on the roster, and obviously we haven't got anyone on there to do that sort of thing. I think they need to find one in the off-season, as I've said before many times. We we do need, in some ways, the traditional big bruiser fullback or, or a, a third-down running back, you know, somebody whose job it is to just get their nose in there and either, you know, jump over the pack or just get into the pile and just push it forward. Um, because the thing is, is that, you know, I know it's considered a little bit kind of old school to do it that way, but uh, it is, you know, being done extremely well by teams who have those players and given that our current running back situation has two guys who do have different skill sets but neither of them have that kind of you know real mass to be able to do it and it definitely is noticeable at the goal line yeah i mean because like obviously we're not going to use kyle Murray in that sort of situation are we like on a qb sneak yeah exactly i mean given you know obviously there's there's always uh, some level of risk of injury and, and generally a QB sneak gets you inches rather than even a yard but especially with Kyler you know being being such a young such a key player obviously you're not going to want to put him in that in harm's way like that I mean you'd happily put him on like a sort of like a rollout sort of run you know like where he reads the play sort of thing like if he's going to hand off to a running back or like just loop around and then run it in himself beating like one guy yeah we have seen that a few times as well actually and we've seen it work and we've seen it not work as well but which is kind of why i'm surprised that you know they tried just the same play over and over again for you know to try and get that touchdown i guess to some extent you know the team just must have been feeding back to kingsbury and saying look it's gonna work it's gonna work it's gonna work i'm surprised that you know not even one attempt for something else was made and then you look at the San Francisco 49ers and they had Jeff Wilson running all over our defense in the other hand. Yeah, that was that was shocking. I mean, it really was uh, a case of, I don't think all season we've had a running back go to, go to town on us like that, have we? Looking back, I don't think so, no. And also in this one, like CJ Beffer didn't even have to do too much in this game with only 22 passes attempted. As Jeff Wilson did all of the damage. He finished the game with 204 total yards and a touchdown reception, averaging 8.3 yards per carry on the ground. It's just grim yeah. to look at. It really is shocking, isn't it? I mean, a huge career day for him and, you know, something that was, was quite, I guess, unexpected, I would say, going into the game. You know, it's definitely not somebody that we had pegged as like a danger man um, in our podcast last week, but 
yeah, just, uh, you know, defense seemed absolutely unable to catch him, unable to stop him. You know, it felt like there was that. And then every time we tried to, you know, play, play sort of cover one and come in and, and plug all those gaps and stuff, that's when that's when they would just manage to put off like a really nice little throw. Yeah, because I mean, George Kittle picked up a couple of passes in his return to action. Although he didn't go too crazy on us, I don't think. No, I think he had one big catch, really, and that was it. Um, but I do think, you know, as as was uh, pointed out several times during the broadcast, he was on a snap count. He was playing limited game game time and game snaps, you know, um, coming back from the injury. And I'm sure that they're wanting to, you know, keep him healthy for next season. But, you know, it's, it's the sort of... Uh, it, that's exactly the kind of threat that they needed to have because... You know, they put him in the game and because he's on such a limited number of snaps, everybody's going to assume that he's going to be used and then they can immediately run Jeff Wilson and pick up a huge chunk of yardage. And I think that's what they actually did on the first touchdown uh, run that he had was they just had, you know, had a decoy out, basically. Well, as a reception, his touchdown was. So that's true, actually, yeah. I think the thing as well with San Francisco, they just seem to have, like, a really good scheme for running backs because... If you look back throughout the season, I think you've had like four or five different running backs having massive games like this. It just seems like they can just plug in anyone and then just get success with it. I guess that's an element of offensive line play as well, because you can't even say, you know, that's down to, you know, really good quarterback play because, uh, you know, this is another new quarterback for them as well. Yeah. Also, it could be the scheme as well. You know, Kyle Shanahan, offensive coordinator slash head coach. Yeah, I'm I'm sure it's an element to do with that as opposed to, you know, just to do with the players on the field. But yeah, definitely something seems to be clicking for them there. And yeah, once again, you know, Cardinals fall to a uh, backup quarterback. And to make matters worse, we've actually got one coming up again this weekend, but we'll get onto that in a bit because we've still got a couple more negatives to talk about from this one. And yeah, I alluded to it earlier, but uh, injuries has to be a big negative for sure. Yeah, especially when Dan Arnold went out of the game concussed and he was ruled out of the game. I think that was like in the second half. Yeah, I think it was early in the second half as well. And it's a shame because, well, I don't know. I don't know if you could say that Dan Arnold was having a good game, but you could definitely say he was in the right place a few times. I mean, he did have that fumble, which wasn't really a fumble, but he didn't couldn't overturn it because there wasn't enough evidence. Yeah, exactly. I, I personally saw his knees down. Yeah, I think so as well. But I mean, I, I think, you know, between that and um, I think he had a dropped pass as well in the first half, or maybe I'm confusing it with with um, last week as well. But I, I definitely seem to remember he had a dropped pass. And, you know, you can't exactly say he was having a great game, but it definitely limited our choices at tight end. Yeah, because I mean, obviously we were already down Max Williams because of his injury. So... We had like Dan Arnold, Darrell Daniels, and Seth DeValve at tight end. Yeah, and both Daniels and DeValve are, are guys that, you know, they play really, really well in terms of blocking and they do fine there, but they're not they're not guys that you would have going up the field all the time, you know. I think we did target DeValve once, but it didn't come off. Yeah, you know, if we're talking about targeting people that didn't come off, then, you know, that might be a, a Kyler Murray issue, which we'll get onto shortly. But yeah, another big injury with uh, with Chase Edmonds going out. Yeah, I mean, he came into this game with a knee and ankle complaints already. So he worked his way up the leg area with a hip injury that ruled him out of the game at half time. 
Yeah, I know it didn't didn't look great, did it? And then of course you've got Kenyon Drake having to take a much bigger share than you know he's used to. We did have DJ Foster like active behind him, but he he was on the field a couple of times, but I don't think he ever got a carry or anything. No, he ended up with zero carries, but he was uh, recorded as on the on the field. Once again, probably pulling certain blocking duties and things like that as well. But yeah, as we've said before, you know the the Chase Edmonds and uh, Kenyon Drake really do seem to work best as a team, um, and they seem to work best as they kind of get put in for each other's specialities. Um, and that's you know something that I feel like was uh, was clearly missing, especially in the second half. Yeah, we definitely missed him, especially having to use Kenyon Drake pretty much all the game. Yeah, exactly. Although I think Kyler did have a few carries of himself. He did, yeah. I mean, as as usual, I think that's part of the game plan now, you know. But of course, yeah, we did have the other big injury at the end of the game, just, you know, to compound the misery of what was the 2012 loss for us. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, Kyler Murray obviously injured on the final play with a little bit of uh, kind of cross information on how serious it was. Yeah, I mean, some seem to say it's nothing serious, a case of him having his leg whipped, whatever that means. I don't know. I guess it, it, basically they're saying it's a stinger, you know, of an injury. It's basically like something that hurts a lot, but there's not really any damage necessarily that's happened. But then, of course, yesterday we had Cliff Kingsbury in the press conferences saying that he's hopeful that Kyle Murray plays in the season finale. So I guess we'll see, won't we? Like, we'll get reports from this after we've recorded, as usual. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I, we spoke about this briefly before the recording, but I personally don't think we're going to see anything about this until Friday at the earliest. And probably even, you know, they might even stretch it out to Sunday. Because at the end of the day, you know, it's the perfect opportunity to ensure your opponents have twice as much quarterback film to study. Well, I mean, I'm not sure they've got too much, like, film to study of our backup quarterback. I think we'll talk about that later, won't we? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty much it for how, how much I want to talk about the game. You know, we could maybe talk a little bit about DeAndre Hopkins going out for a couple of plays with a, a sort of minor injury and then it really kind of highlighting that the Cardinals really don't have, you know, anybody who's who's ready to step up to the talent of wide receiver two. But at the end of the day, it's it's a 2012 loss to, you know, not, not the most healthy, not the most put together team. And uh, it stings, you know, it puts us in a situation where we control our own fate for the uh, for the playoffs. I mean, it's not a bad position to be in there, is it really? Like, it just seems to be the sort of thing. Yeah, I'm just thinking more that we, we could have been, you know, under slightly different circumstances, we could have had it wrapped up last week, you know. We could have done, but, you know, it is what it is. We've on to a game preview for the final game of the season later on, but first we've got some fantasy football to talk about. Yep, indeed, and uh, that's it. The uh, regular season is over. The uh, the the in league post season is over, and we have eight individual league champions. Yep. So this week we'll get to crown the Birgang Bowl eight champion. This week, well, of course, there's eight teams vying for that title, and the teams that have made it to the final are my tight end it's when I fit cards against humanity, Buddha Baker's dozen, David Johnson in a second. Kingsley's Bachelor Pad, Bigger Than D-Hop, Beats by DeAndre, and Buda Bing, Buda Boom will all contest the Bergang Bowl final. Yep, and it looks like it's going to be uh, you know, a, a fun game, actually. Especially, you know, I think um, when you're playing fantasy into Week 17, it's always hard because you've got 
players who are starting to be rested for the off season as well, or for the postseason rather. Yeah, because I mean, like Kansas City have already said they're resting most of their big names or like the ones that they can. Yeah, exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's not the worst idea to then actually pick up a few of those backups as well because you never know, especially in a, in games that kind of don't matter for anyone, um, how they're going to turn out. It's a shame, though, that our cursing didn't seem to help Dan or Darren win through to the Birdland Bowl final. It is a shame, but, you know, there's a there's a good crop of uh, of teams there. Beats by DeAndre from uh, from League 7, I know, is an absolute powerhouse. So I'd be interested to see how they get on um, this week. And, of course, everyone's been messaged to find out who's going to be their lineup for Week 17. So hopefully they get them in. Otherwise, they'll be left maybe using players who aren't playing on Week 17. So that's their own fault if they don't. Yep, got to get those uh, those picks in, everyone. So if you're uh, if you're one of the teams that we've just mentioned there, make sure that you message Tom by what would you say, Tom, Saturday? I'd say Saturday, Sunday morning, that sort of thing. You know, don't leave it too late because you know I'm not chasing anyone up for it. You can chase me up for once. <laughs> but yeah, congrats to uh, all of the uh, the in league winners. I suppose it's congratulations in order for someone else on this podcast as well, though. It is, I, and I get my, my 10 seconds to gloat because I did in fact win um, the British Bird Gang Dynasty League uh, this this week, and I'm really chuffed about it. Definitely helped that I had uh, players going over 50 points, but yeah, over 200 point win, I'm pretty pleased with it. Then you have Alvin Kamara, and basically from that it was game over. Yeah, I did. Um, I had Alvin Kamara go off on Thursday, which made, I, I will say, I'd like, I didn't want to believe it until like the kind of final whistle. Um, but yeah, it was a uh, it was a less stressful final because of Kamara going off on Thursday night. And of course, you won by like was it nearly a hundred points or was it over a hundred points? It was nearly a hundred points. I think in the end it was like eighty odd. I mean, it's still a convincing win, whichever way you look at it. It was a, a fairly sort of uh, done deal, I think, uh, after Kamara because it really just boosted my my projected points because I think the original projected points was we were both going to finish on 170 and a half um, with like, you know, a hundredth of a point in it somewhere in there. But yeah, that immediately kind of boosted my projected points to 220. So I, uh, yeah, reasonably, reasonably fun. And um, I'm, I'm pleased to, after all these years of doing the podcast, actually have some fantasy success. It does make a change because it's usually you at the bottom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And uh, yeah, there we go. So that's another um, British Bird Gang uh, Dynasty League week. And uh, of course, we'll be able to crown our champion of the overall British Bird Gang Fantasy Football League next week. And of course, another thing that's coming to an end next week will be the weekly pickums. Although I think they may actually continue into the playoffs. So maybe they won't. You know, we'll still have to keep <laughs> yeah. making our picks. Yeah, for sure. But we do have a fair few similarities this week. Uh, however, that doesn't take away from the fact that after being very, very, very close all season, Tom, you had a bit of a disaster this week. Yeah, I mean, I went a bit too, I don't know, was I trying to be too clever with my picks or did teams just let me down? I think I'll go with the latter. It was their fault, that man. <laughs> I think there was a fair few upsets. Well, I mean, yeah, there was the Jets beating the Browns. Obviously, we didn't have that. They had the Niners beating the Cardinals. And also, I went for Indianapolis over Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah, of course. 
I mean, it did look like Indianapolis were going to win and then they decided to throw it away in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it was really strange, wasn't it? And I went for Tennessee as well, but less said about them be losing to Green Bay the better. Definitely, definitely. So yeah, it probably takes me out of title contention now, so I think that's all down to you once again, to catch the unknown Rich J. Yeah, Rich J, who is still unidentified, but um, yeah, he is indeed one point ahead of me going into the final week, so I have made at least one relatively brash pick because I need to I need to get one over on him, one way or another. Did we actually mention it finished 12-8 this week? Do you think we did? No, we didn't. Yeah, I, I got twelve correct, and you only got eight correct, which is uncharacteristically low for you. I mean, it's still fifty percent. I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. If that's your if that's your uh, floor of your scoring, then that's not bad. I mean, I've gone all out this week. There were some really strange difference picks, so we'll get onto them after we've gone through all the same ones. Yeah, for sure. And uh, in terms of same ones, we've both gone for Buffalo to beat Miami. New Orleans to beat Carolina, Baltimore to beat Cincinnati, Cleveland to beat Pittsburgh, Minnesota to beat Detroit, the Cowboys over the Giants, the Washington football team to beat the Eagles, the Titans to beat the Texans, Indianapolis over Jacksonville, and Seattle over San Francisco. Yep, so the first difference we've got down here is Chicago versus Green Bay. Yeah, indeed. And you've gone for Chicago. Is that just a sort of like, you know, they, they, they might as well because that way the Cardinals are kind of even harder, getting an even harder time? Or I don't know. I think Green Bay are already like in the playoffs, aren't they? They've already sealed That's their true, place. Yeah. So they've not really got anything to play for. Although I think they still have the number one seed to play for. So Well, you say they've got nothing to play for except for the absolutely massive historical rivalry that they have with the Bears. There is that, I suppose, but you know, Chicago need the window need to have any chance of making the playoffs. Exactly, and I'm sure Green Bay would be would love to be the team to um, to play spoiler to that because I think uh, apart from anything else, the Green Bay fans wouldn't stand for for them letting Chicago walk into the playoffs. I don't think they'd walk in; they just have to beat them up a bit, wouldn't they, or a lot? Depends. I've actually no real idea of how beaten up Green Bay are. They'll be beaten up after this one, put it that way. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The next difference down is the LA Chargers against Kansas City. Yeah, and now I wish I'd uh, thought about this one because um, the Chargers definitely seem like the pick now that you were now that we've uh, talked about Kansas City benching a lot of their uh, big names. Yeah, I think they got Chad Henney at quarterback. So, and obviously like Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey probably won't play a part. That being said, I have seen the Chargers throw away a few odd games for them to throw away this year. Yeah, I mean, they have been prone to that. But, you know, I need the points, really. So, you know, an upset win would take a point for me. That's fair. That's fair. Speaking of upset wins, uh, New York Jets at New England. Well, you've decided to go for the Jets and I've come with the <laughs> Patriots, which is just strange. As if anyone had ever picked the Jets in Pickham. I mean, the Jets have actually won twice this year, um, as shocking as that is. And in a way, both of their wins have been relative upsets. You know, it's it's been games that just nobody gave them a chance going into. And I thought maybe, just maybe this would be, you know, something of a, a <coughs> excuse me, something of a revenge game for the Jets. Um, they might have, you know, a bit of a, a bit of, They've got nothing to play for. New England has nothing to play for. And maybe they'll just give it the beans just to prove that they can. 
I mean, you could see that happening because, you know, New England haven't really been playing that well this season. And you might be looking at Jarrett Stidham at quarterback instead of Cam Newton this week. Yeah, they might be trying something a little bit different. You know, um, I mean, it's. I think at the end of the day, it's December football and anything could happen with it. But um, yeah, I, I went with that as my kind of most out there pick. And speaking of out there picks for Tampa Bay versus Atlanta, I've decided to go with Atlanta. Now, as far as I know, Tampa Bay isn't setting anyone. I don't think they are, no. But they are actually in the playoffs already. No one can really catch them, I don't think. So they're set, whichever. Yeah, they've, they've clenched, so they're pretty set. That being said, I don't think Tom Brady or Bruce Arians are the type to let off the gas at all. I just think maybe Atlanta will get revenge for 28-3 against Tom Brady this time round. It's possible. It's definitely possible. I mean, he did throw away a game against them a couple of weeks back, wasn't it? And he had the reverse fixture. That is true. No, I'm still going with Tampa Bay here. I think they had an absolute stormer of a game last week, and I think that um, knowing Bruce Arians and knowing Tom Brady, they will have a stormer of a game this week as well. And I'm just going for this because I need the points to catch up. (laughs) The penultimate difference we've got is Denver versus the Las Vegas Raiders. We have decided to go with Denver. Yeah, and I'm taking the Raiders here. Um, I think it's a a difficult game to call this one. Um, But that being said, Denver have just never really managed to shake shake themselves awake this year, I feel. Yeah, I mean, Las Vegas Raiders aren't exactly setting the world alight either. I mean, they'd like uh, earlier in the season a couple of games where everyone was thinking, you know, maybe they'll do something this year. But then now it is the end of the season. Isn't that every year for the Raiders? Well, yeah, obviously, but you know, this year might have been different. I think they say that every year, though, as well. So, yeah, it's just a constant cycle of disappointment. <laughs> to be honest, I think, especially given that it's December football here, this is a uh, this is a bit of a coin flip, really. Yeah, I think it was close in the Pickums as well. I'm not sure what it was exactly, but I can't imagine anyone would be favoured too highly in this one either way. Yeah, I mean, it's like you take your pick between a team that is largely injured and a team that doesn't look like they care. And our last difference, because we're actually going to talk about it this week, is the Cardinals against the Rams game. And you've decided to go with Arizona for this one. Big homer energy for me uh, to uh, to pick Arizona here. I know um, I do think that is the less likely outcome, um, but I have to believe and I, I can I can see a path for the Cardinals winning this one if they can absolutely shake themselves up and they can go in with the attitude that we know that they can play with. And the only reason I've gone with the Rams is because if they win, then I get a point. But if we win, we're in the playoffs. <laughs> so you've gone for the win-win scenario, basically. I mean, although it's just one point, you know, it'll still be one point closer to you in the final standings. That is very true indeed. So you're play, playing the long game here. <laughs> playing the long game. Yeah, um, shall we talk about the uh, the game preview? You may as well, because, you know, it's our big game this week. The biggest game of the season. And the final game of the season, obviously. Yeah, and uh, talk about cardiac cards, right? You know, it's like basically always in with a contention right up until the end. I mean, it couldn't be much simpler for the Cardinals, you know, win and they're in the playoffs, lose they're not. If they tie, you know, they're probably also out, but that just complicates things and is less catchy. Yeah, it it really comes down to that. And I think it's a really interesting one as well because um, the Rams are, are in the playoffs already. You know, they're set. 
they're going to have a few guys sat. Um, they're not actually. They're not. No, because if they lose against us, they're out of the playoffs. I think. Oh you, yes, you're right. You're right. I thought I for some reason I was thinking that this was the um, the situation of like we could get the three NFC West teams in, but you are right. I think that's the case. Anyway, I'm not sure to be honest. Should should have actually researched it before we came on. <laughs> Tell you what, I'm gonna I'm gonna Google it quickly now because I feel that I've made a silly mistake there. The only thing we really care about on this podcast is if the Cardinals make it to the playoffs. Anyone else, you know, sub to them. Yeah, that's a really good point. I suppose we do want to be factually correct. <laughs> as as much as possible, anyway. Yeah, I mean, no one calls us out on it anyway, so who cares, really? <laughs> All uh, complaints, please, address to at British Bird Gang on Twitter, so Tom can deal with it and I don't have to. But yeah, it comes down to this one, Cardinals at Rams on Sunday at 9.25pm. And it's going to be on Sky Sports for those in the UK. So sorry if you subscribe to NFL Game Pass, you would be able to watch it. Yeah, I think I think that might be the fourth uh, Sky game that the Cardinals have had this year, which must be a record for us. Well, I know we definitely had four in a row, didn't we? Like a few weeks back, over so we had the two prime, really had the three primetime games. Oh yeah, if you if you include the primetime ones, but at least the primetime ones aren't Sky exclusive. No, but I mean, we're still on Sky, so I'll take it as a streak, especially as we're barely on there anyway. But um, yeah, indeed, 9.25, I saw a lot of people complaining that uh, because it's a win and end, they were complaining that it wasn't flexed to uh, prime time. But honestly, I'm quite glad I don't have to stay up till 4am for this one. You're not the only one as well, because you can understand why they did it, because if Chicago lost, then LA have nothing to play for, do they? They could sit players and then... It obviously wouldn't make for a good Sunday night football game. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I never thought of that part of it. But yeah, there's there's an element of like the psychology in it, isn't there? We were flexed, though, from Fox to CBS coverage. Interesting. Which means, for the first time ever, we'll have Tony Romo as commentator for a game. <gasps> I'm so excited for this. Uh, Tony Romo's commenta- like his, his commentary is spectacular. It really is, you know, it, it it's the gold standard for what commentary should be. You know, he's got he's got the color element down. Like he knows a lot of these guys personally. He's able to, you know, chat away about them like that. But the fact that he can just predict plays the way he does is fantastic. Just hope he doesn't predict too many Cliff Kingsbury plays. You know, although people on Twitter seem to know they can do that already. Oh yeah, well, people on Twitter are, are um, obviously fantastic uh, head coaches that just haven't been given a chance yet. They'll get their chance one day. I'm sure they will. Yeah. But of course, this is our second time playing the Rams this season. As usual. Yeah, obviously, you know, division rival. We lost that one 38-28. I don't think we need to reap up anything more about that game back up again, do we? <laughs> yeah, I am uh, I don't fancy recapping that game at all, uh, to be honest, again, because that was, a, that was a pretty tough loss, I would have to say. I suppose the big news coming into this game is the fact that Jared Goff, their franchise quarterback, allegedly, has already been ruled out of the game with a thumb injury. I believe it's a broken thumb as well. So, um, yeah, he is definitely out, and the Rams likely to start John Wofford at quarterback. Yes, he's a guy who's never completed a, or even attempted an NFL pass. Honestly, as a as a Cardinal fan, that worries me. You know, after this year and after our record against uh, backup quarterbacks, that's a that's a worrying uh, thought. 
just seems to be like our kryptonite, doesn't it? A backup quarterback. Yeah, it's really odd. I mean, I wonder if, you know, part of it is like a huge amount of our defensive game planning goes on, you know, having lots of film of the guys that are playing at quarterback, but that doesn't seem right. I mean, we do have the chance to actually watch film of him this week, if there is such mm-hmm. thing that exists. He did play in the that short-lived AAF league. Ah, yes, the Alliance of American Football. So he played approximately four games there, did he? Yeah, good. He was on the Arizona team there as well. Oh yeah, the Firemen, Fire Hotshots, Arizona Hotshots. That's what they were called. Uh, I don't remember because I'd never actually watched any of that, so I wouldn't know if he was any good or not. Yeah, I can't remember actually watching him play at any point. But um, yeah, that being said, indeed he is. Uh, he is due. Well, probably going to be the starting starting quarterback. I think he's the only one on the roster at the moment. I mean, they're elevating a guy up off the practice squad. And looking to bring Blake Bortles back off the practice squad of another team. Yeah, and I wonder as well if they're doing any of the sort of emergency quarterback stuff that we've seen a few times this season. I don't think they need to, though, if they've got Bortles coming in, because yeah. obviously with him being on another team's practice squad, he's through all the COVID protocol. Into- ah, yeah, of course. It's not just quarterback where they're shorthanded, though, because they're likely without Darrell Henderson and possibly Cam Akers. So their running back room is going to be incredibly thin for this one. Yeah, indeed. And uh, in a way, it's kind of almost unfortunate that all of the, uh, you know, the missing personnel that they have are on the offense because I could really uh, like, I would really like to have seen their uh, defense come in a little bit less strong than they were against us last time. And it would be a shame if Aaron Donald came down with a mystery ailment of some description. Mild cough. No, I wouldn't wish COVID on him, but like something else. I don't know. Yeah, just, you know, a mild cough. In, enough that he has to be in, in COVID protocol getting tested before the game. Have him as a close contact with someone. I wonder if we can hack their data to make that happen. <laughs> I mean, it, the thing is, is like, even without, you know, a missing Aaron Donald, which we won't have, is this going to be the best chance that we've had to beat the Rams in the Sean McVay era? I think it'd be a tough one still because obviously the defense is still intact, isn't it? And they've obviously had a number on us in the past. So it's still going to be a really tough game for either team to win. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think it will be a a bit of a slugfest, to be honest. And uh, LA have what little home advantage there is in the uh, NFL these days, but they they are going to be playing at home. You know, I think that's possibly going to be the level of, of play that we're going to see that's going to swing it one way or another here. I think you obviously it'll be down to the defense of both teams though, because can we stop their backup quarterback and their odd selection of running backs along with Robert Woods at wide receiver? Will our defense be able to contain them? I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Because those two can make a quarterback look good. <laughs> Some would argue that they have been doing that for Jared Goff. You know, they can get into space and everything like that, and our coverage has been shaky at times throughout this season. And I think, you know, it's going to, a lot of the this game might even fall on the shoulders of Patrick Peterson and whether or not he can, you know, play to his previous standards um, or whether he's going to be kind of more of the same as he has been this year. Of course, they're not the only team with quarterback questions because we have the question wondering if who's going to be playing quarterback for Arizona. Will Kyle Murray be fit and ready to play against LA? Yeah, indeed, it would be uh, interesting to see if um, if they do put Kyler out there or whether they would put Chris Traveller out there. 
And I'll tell you one thing is that if Kyler isn't any way ready to go, he will be on the field, you know, not just because, you know, we need him, but that's the kind of player he is. He's going to want to be out there as much as he can be. I think as well, ironically, he was injured before playing them last week in the last week of the season last year. Oh yeah, I do remember that actually. It wasn't he was uh, just not quite right. Yeah, and obviously they won that one because you know the Rams versus Cardinals. It's always a Rams win. Ben McVeigh's in charge. Yeah, it's been a it's been a tough one indeed, um, especially during that during that sort of McVeigh time. But you know. As we sort of alluded to earlier, this is probably going to be the best shot. I mean, especially if we can get Kyler back. But, you know, I do think that it's going to come down to defences, as you said. Do you think we should go for some predictions for this one, then? This is going to be a hard one to predict. I'm not going to to say say no about it at the moment. Even though I've gone for an LA win in the Pickens, I'm going to go with an Arizona win in this, just because I can, you know. Who cares, really, what we predict here? No one holds us to account. We didn't even hold ourselves to account. So I'm going to say LA 17, Arizona 20. I'm going to go with a a slightly higher scoring one for Arizona and put them in 24 to, um, let's call it 19. Plenty of field goals in this one, then. Plenty of field goals or a missed extra point, is my thought. I mean, with it being good defense, you know, maybe it'll be field goal, field goal, field goal for everyone. Yeah. That would be quite quite handy, I think, actually. But you know, it's um, it's going to be. I, I, obviously, I'm picking the Cardinals to win because this would be a fantastic, uh, fantastic moment. And I think you know, at the end of the day, we can you know bitch and moan about last week's score all we want. But if we are in playoff contention in the last week of the season, I think that's a pretty good achievement for you know a second year head coach and quarterback. But yeah, people still want to fire Cliff, you know whatever of course they do they could do a better job obviously in their second year of being the head coach (laughs) yeah exactly um but yeah i mean that being said uh, i guess we'll be back next week to break um the rams game and uh you know kind of tie up a little bit of the season and or be ready for uh some postseason stuff and don't forget the bird gang ball winner because that's another massive thing bird gang bowl outright winner as well once again congratulations to everyone who uh who won their individual leagues including me you had to get that in there didn't you yeah <laughs> but yes that'll do it for this week's episode of british bird gang breakdown as always if you're not following us on twitter go follow us at british bird gang and like us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash british bird gang and join the group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash british bird gang If you like what you listen to on the podcast, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and also subscribe so you get each and every episode in your inbox whenever they're out, which is usually every Wednesday during the season anyway. Off season, you know, it's whenever we want because that's what we, because that's how we roll. (laughs) Exactly. It's how we roll. It'll just be whenever. And of course, if you're not bought a British Bird Gang t-shirt by now, head over to britishbirdgang.tmill.com and cop yours now. But I'll do it for this week's episode and also it's the last episode of 2020 so see you next year I suppose yeah see you next year indeed until then goodbye thanks for listening